Hello, friends. Welcome to the Film Rumination Podcast. My name is Jason, and it is that time of the year again. Time for the 31 days of Halloween. Like last year, we're going to split it over two, because that would just be much too long of an episode. But let's get right into it. First up, I watched Killer Crocodile. This was the Severin Films release. kill it, aren't you? Sure, we're gonna kill it, aren't we, Joe? You bet, Judge. Consider it already dead. No. No what? We're against killing of any kind. Our work here's important. Someone's polluting these swamps, and it's our job to find out who. I'm not surprised. Take a look at this. The dyes reveal high acid levels caused by industrial waste. <laughs> You still think the crocodile should be saved? If I get the chance, I won't hesitate to kill it. It takes a special breed to make it in there. More than a decade after the Spielberg blockbuster, a dream team of shock maestros, including producer-turned-director Fabrizio Dallangaras, screenwriter Dardano Sarcetti, and gore guru Giannetto De Rossi and Oscar-nominated composer Ritz Ortolani created one of the most ridiculously entertaining Jaws ripoffs in Italio Slee's history. When a humongous crocodile begins chomping on a tropical island community, a group of idealistic young environmentalists will clash with a crusty redneck hunter to destroy the monster reptile spawned by toxic waste. Richard Anthony Crena, Sherry Rose, Ennio Giolami, and Hollywood legend Van Johnson star in this exploitation classic. Now scanned in 2K from the original negative, uh, we've also included the sequel, Killer Crocodile 2, in this incredible set. I'm not going to tell you that I'm a, a well-versed and studied historian in uh, Jaws ripoffs. I've seen a handful and I love them. I'm a pretty simple guy. So it, it's it's very important that you understand that of all the Jaws slash Jaws ripoffs I've seen, while highly entertaining, this might be the worst, mostly when it comes to the effect of the title killer, Crocodile. I will say that, again, it's enjoyable. The cover is is just to die for. I have not yet watched Killer Crocodile 2. It's really just a way to kick off a season of, of horror and horror adjacent. So that's Killer Crocodile. You can get it now from Severn Films. To some people, absolutely, this should be a no-brainer. 
to just about everybody else. I I cannot strongly recommend the film. I can. Next up, uh, we have a film that some people are going to argue is not horror. They're going to say that it's uh, just an action adventure film. I say it's horror. It's got some pretty gruesome stuff in there, and that is Predator. rescue team not assassins now what do we gotta do in a part of the world where there are no rules we pick up their trailer at the chopper run them down grab those hostages before anybody knows we were there what do you mean we deep in the jungle where nothing that lives is safe you lose it here you're in a world of hurt showtime kid knock knock an elite rescue squad you're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> is being led by the ultimate warrior. We need the best. That's why you're here. But now... What's got Billy so spooked? There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. They're up against the ultimate enemy. Holy mother of God. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle just came alive and took him. We cannot see it. Blood, no bodies. We hit nothing. But it sees the heat of our bodies and the heat of our fear. Whatever it is out there, it killed Hopper. And now it wants us. It kills for pleasure. Ah! He was skinned alive. It hunts for sport. He's killing us one at a time. We're all gonna die. But this time, it's picked the wrong man to hunt. If it bleeds. Can kill it. Twentieth Century Fox presents Arnold Schwarzenegger. Predator. The hunt begins Friday, June twelfth at theaters everywhere. I've seen it probably a dozen times before. Um, a little while ago, I had upgraded to the 4K and had not had a chance to watch it yet, so this was my opportunity. Off the back here, soon the hunt will begin. Deep in the jungle, several bodies have been discovered skinned and hanging from trees. Come on, interjection here. That's horror. Take it back. Uh, it's always horror, not, not just action. Coming back in here, although who or what could have done this is the mystery military covert specialist dutch arnold and his team are called in to eliminate the threat but once in the heart of the menacing jungle they discover something far worse than they could have ever imagined the predator an alien who's come to earth with cloaking technology extensive combat skills and a desire to hunt humans for sport I'm going to say this, the film looks better than I could have imagined, better than I remember. There was something that kind of uh, I thought was interesting. My memory of the film, when uh, Jesse Ventura's character gets shot through the chest, heads up, Jesse Ventura's character gets shot through the chest. When he gets that, I have a vague memory of seeing the like the trees through him, I don't know if at some point in time was this Universal Fox, uh, 20th Century Fox came in and edited some of it out um, and put like some, I want like CG blood, blood flex, like uh, a cloud of blood covering it. I don't really know. It's also possible that this film comes back to my very first memory of C of, of Fangoria magazine. My very first Fango that I had ever seen uh, had uh, some has had a pictorial spread from the set of uh, Predator. And it, <laughs> my parents did not like me looking at that magazine. My cousin had no problem showing me. So that's the dichotomy of my family, especially when it came to family outings and retreats and vacations. So number two, Predator. Number three, uh, which was an absolute joy, uh, to celebrate the release of the newly scanned uh, 4K presentation I got to go to the theater and see Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. 
I don't suppose they uh, told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of 1970? I heard a man named Charles Grady is the winter caretaker. From what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point during the winter, he must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, killed his family. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. <laughs> that's right. Mom? Do you really want to go and live in that hotel for the winter? Sure I do. It'll be lots of fun. The only thing that can get a bit trying up here during the winter is uh, the tremendous sense of isolation. Is there something bad here? I fear you will have to deal with this matter in the harshest possible way. What did you die? I killed you with Danny. You did this to me. Didn't you? I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Here's Johnny. <laughs> Academy Award winner Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall star in director Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of Stephen King's disturbing blockbuster horror novel. Writer Jack Torrance, Nicholson, uh, a former alcoholic, accepts a job as a winter caretaker for a hotel high in the Rocky Mountains, isolating him, his wife, and their psychic young son until spring. But when the first blizzard blocks the only road out, the hotel's stored energy from evil past deeds begins to drive Jack insane. There may be no escape for his family in this haunted story of madness, memory, and violence. I hope that this was anywhere near any of you. You went and watched it. Any chance that you ever get to go and see an older film, uh, regardless of your level of experience with it, I really recommend that you go if it tickles your fancy in the least. The Shining is a film I've seen many times. I know Stephen King doesn't care for it, and that's his business. Uh, I understand why. I've read the book, and there are some very distinct differences. I don't know. There's just... I wonder if if the film would have the same, if it was not... The film would have that same uh, sense and, 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 and feel, emotional feel, if it wasn't a Kubrick film. Like Even if it was exactly the same... There's just something, I want to say tactile, that he brought to his films that made them just more than the surrounding films. I don't, I, I can't say if that's a, a, a real thing or not. I don't, I don't really know. But if you did not have a chance to see that, it was just a limited, like a Fathom event, that they put it out because of the release of the 4K and with Dr. Sleep coming here in a couple of weeks. I recommend, absolute recommend picking up the the 4k release don't remember it looking bad particularly in the past but i can tell you that somehow it feels like it looks better mostly in fabric and like flooring you know everything physical about the film feels a little more substantial next up uh the fourth film is the 2019 pet cemetery <laughs> In the woods today, L.A. discovered a charming little landmark. The Pet cemetery. Place to bury our pets and remember them. Might seem scary, but it's not. Perfectly natural. Just like dying is natural. The whole town's been using this place for generations. Folks make a kind of ritual out of it. not some campfire story. Saw these in the trees up there. They're warnings. The local tribes carved them before they fled. They fear that place. There's something up there. Something that dates way back. Those woods belong to something else. Something. That cat was dead. 
that brings things back. Church? I know what you're thinking of doing. But they don't come back the same. Daddy. Who's? What's going on? Fuck your daughter. I should never have shown you that place. Your child is not the only thing that will come back. The barrier is broken. We have a second chance. Sometimes dead is better. Lewis Creed and his wife Rachel relocate from Boston to rural Maine with their two young children. The couple soon discover a mysterious burial ground hidden deep in the woods near their new home. When tragedy strikes, Lewis turns to his neighbor, Jud Judd Crandall, setting off on a perilous setting off a perilous chain reaction that unleashes an unspeakable evil with horrific consequences. I am not able to tell you that I like this more than the original one. I appreciated the changes that they made for the sake of surprise. By the way, there's a, a surprise. Uh, I'm not going to get into the weeds here. It's it's good, but I feel like I've seen Pet Cemetery, uh, the original one, dozens of times. And I don't think that I was prepared to go in with a, 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 a wide enough mind to watch the new one without being so, so entrenched in the old one. And that, I think, had a negative effect on my experience. It feels like, the, the film feels kind of like it takes a long time to build. And I and I understand why, uh, because they had to, they had to make the twist fast. Uh, and then it just snowballs faster than I remember the first one. I, the, for the original one, I remember being just slower uh, throughout the whole thing. I could be wrong. It's been it's been a, a minute since I watched it, and I should revisit it as well. Uh, but for now, that was the 2019 Pet Cemetery. It's I, I can recommend it. It's enjoyable. I imagine your experience uh, might be similar to mine, but your mileage, uh, as always, may vary. Now we're moving into a a box set that I am very grateful. I think it's sold out too fast, and it's it's very unfortunate. Um, this is the macabre visions uh, films of Mario Bava. Truth to be told, uh, your dear narrator has only seen one Mario Bava film. Now that has changed greatly, which would be Blood and Black Lace. And it was incredible. And I had full intention of diving in and seeing as many as I could. So now, several in a row, uh, I'm going to be talking about uh, releases from this. So the first up, uh, it was Black Sunday. Not since Dracula stalked the earth has the world known so terrifying a day or night. It's I who renounce you, and in the name of Satan, I place a curse upon you. Black Sunday is like no motion picture you've ever seen. There are those who believe and those who do not. But both must know the suspense, the shock of meeting the living dead and of bringing the dead to life. and bring you pleasures mortals cannot know. Black Sunday, 
the most terrifying motion picture you'll ever see. Satan wearing strange robes and fighting with all the furies of Hades arouses the countryside to a frenzy of black terror. Discover the unspeakable, terrifying secret of Black Sunday. It will paralyze you with fright. Legendary scream queen Barbara Steele stars in this classic slice of gothic terror from the father of fantastic Italian cinema, Mario Bava. A beautiful witch is sentenced to death for her deeds by her own brother, condemned to die by having a metal mask hammered onto her face before being burnt at the stake. As she passes, she puts a terrible curse on all her future descendants as the spikes of, of the death mask pierce her flesh. But when two unwitting travelers discover their final resting place, and worse, drip blood on her resting corpse, they unleash her once again in all her stunningly beautiful terrifying glory. Banned in the UK on its release, Black Sunday is a groundbreaking film that opened the door for spaghetti horror in all its gory glory. Uh, Black Sunday is a film that I've watched the first uh, 10 minutes a couple of times, but I was not in the right headspace at the time. It is very enjoyable, and I'm glad that I waited and watched it because there's other times for streaming. This uh, on on the full Blu-ray, it just I, it looks incredible. I am so glad that this is now available. Even though technically, as of this recording, I will say before moving on, that it is my understanding that Arrow was losing their rights to a lot of these films, and they wanted one last hurrah. Uh, these are a great deal of releases that were previously released by Arrow, repackaged, so the menus don't all have that same formatting. Some of them are in their original format, some of them are in the new. It does not affect anything. They still look incredible, so these are not going to all be brand new scans, uh, but they're in no way bad. For the, the special features on the Black Sunday, it is the, I'm pretty sure this is the old one. It has two versions of the film. The Mask of Satan, which is the European version, uh, with a score by Roberto Nicolosi, and Black Sunday, the re-edited and redubbed AIP version, the Les Baxter score. I listened, uh, excuse me, I watched The Mask of Satan. Got a bunch of commentaries, new subtitles, more commentary. It's just Arrow packs their stuff full when they're able to, and this is a good example of that. The six is The Girl Who Knew Too Much. <laughs> supernatural powers of the evil eye claim still another victim. Its malevolent enjoyment of tantalizing torture hangs threateningly over John Saxon, Letitia Roman, and Valentina Corteza. Oh, she was always against me! She hated me! Madness. And the maddening aura that destroys reason fills their every breath with the smell of death. Have you ever seen a murder before? No, no, I've never seen anything like that. Never. Oh, stop playing games, will you, Landini? I don't know what you're trying to do, but I know that you're, you're involved in this. Perhaps Nora has seen the killer. But how do we know that he hasn't seen her? The evil eye, like relentless tides, reaches out for them. And they defiantly hold ecstasy and horror in their arms and touch lips with terror while the evil eye watches their every kiss and invades their subconscious. 
of Agatha Christie, the girl who knew too much inadvertently created a genre that would dominate Italian cinema for years to come, the giallo. A young American secretary with a taste for lurid paperbacks witnesses the murder whilst visiting Rome. Or does she? Nobody will believe her, but she appears to have stumbled on the work of a serial killer active ten years earlier. The victim's surnames begin with A, B, and C. And hers begins with the letter D. Starring the striking Letitia Romaine and John Saxton from Enter the Dragon, Tenebrae, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and everything else, uh, The Girl Who Knew Too Much is presented both in its original Italian version and the longer U.S. cut entitled Evil Eye that was re-edited and rescored by American International Pictures. I really enjoyed this film. I really enjoyed Giallo films. I think that they... I, I, I want to say that the Giallo film is the birthplace of the American slasher, and I am grateful because I love slasher films. Uh, the Girl Who Knew Too Much is, I want to almost like say that it's like a PG-13 or a PG Giallo. It doesn't really get too deep um, into the, the blood and gore that you would eventually get with uh, early Fulci films or uh, Argento. However, if you're able, I really do suggest that you check this one out. It's a very, very good film. I most likely watched Evil Eye, the re-edited and rescored U.S. version. It was really, really neat to see a very, very young John Saxon. I grew up with him uh, from Nightmare on Elm Street, but he's, he's like a, almost like a sex symbol in the film. Two, two incredibly gorgeous people, uh, John Saxon and Letitia Roman. It's uh, gorgeous, but it's really interesting because while he doesn't know he's doing it, he's creating this, this new subgenre of horror. And it's really interesting to see uh, the egg just starting to crack before it uh, gets into the frying pan and really cooks up into what it becomes. Next up, we have Black Sabbath. Come closer, please. I've something to tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, how do you do? This is Black Sabbath. Black Sunday was such a huge hit that a follow-up was swiftly demanded. 
and horror maestro Mario Bava duly devised a three-part horror anthology blending modern and period stories. In the giallo style, The Telephone, a woman is terrorized by her former pimp after his escape from prison and tries to escape him from, with the help of her lesbian lover who has a secret dark secret of her own. In the Victorian era, The Drop of Water, a nurse steals a ring from a corpse of a dying spiritualist who naturally tries to get it back. But it is the 19th century Russian story, The Wordelok, that comes closest to Baba's earlier classic with the great Boris Karloff as a much-loved praterfamilias who might not be entirely what he seems. Baba's direction is as stylish as ever, and Black Sabbath is almost a compendium for his favorite themes. What I will tell you uh, on this film, it was enjoyable. Uh, Drop of Water, it was fine. Uh, I enjoyed the Verderlach, the Karloff one, but the telephone was maybe one of the scariest and most suspenseful uh, short films that I have ever seen. It is so intense, and it's all in the performance, and I don't have the actor's name here. Uh, it's all in her performance. Just It's terrifying to know that this is what women feel when they're stalked. I, I've always understood it, and it's it's always been a horrible thing, but just to see it when somebody is just really terrorizing her it it's it's really it's incredibly sad to see it's super powerful and in my opinion the highlight of this anthology uh, that is black sabbath the eighth film that i watched is going to take a small uh, siesta from the Baba set because I had the absolute pleasure to be able to see uh, one of the last remaining George Romero films that I had not seen, and that is 1977's Martin. My name is Martin. I'm 84 years old. People think I'm crazy when I tell them how old I am. I'd like to be normal. I just have a sickness. The only way I can survive is by drinking blood. It's not easy living the way I do. I have to be careful all the time. But I'm pretty good at it. I think as I get older, I get better. I haven't been caught yet. Martin, another kind of terror. understand what's wrong they think that I'm a monster they think I'm a vampire people don't realize that those things I see in the movies are not real I don't have a whole lot of women it's nice to watch them I watch them a lot, all the time. I have to, to be sure that nothing goes wrong. I follow them, I plan, I'm very careful. I have needles now, I can use them. I can put them to sleep, and it doesn't hurt. Another kind of terror. I would like to be like everyone else. I have to do things that I don't necessarily like to do. But I want to stay alive. I do need blood. From the director of Night of the Living Dead. Young Martin is entirely convinced that he is an 84-year-old blood-sucking vampire without fangs or mystical powers. Martin injects women with sedatives and drinks their blood through wounds inflicted with a razor blade. While moving to Braddock, Pennsylvania to live with his superstitious uncle, who also believes that Martin is a vampire, Martin tries to prey exclusively on criminals and thugs, but stumbles when he falls for a housewife. This film has become so elevated 
that and, and it might be because of its out of print status but i haven't been able to get my hands on it i don't want to spend too much on a dvd uh the good folks at cinema wasteland in strongsville ohio for their october uh, weekend they brought in good chunk of the cast um and they screened uh the dvd of martin i had hoped that um 88 films i think somebody is putting out a brand new 4k rescan and remaster and i'm very excited for that it's going to be region b of course so only folks with a region free player would be able to see it who knows if it will get a a u.s release it is in the hands of uh, mr rubenstein so we don't know i don't know especially the film was everything that i wanted it to be uh romantic and lost and just uh, dripping with emotional drama it is beautiful and touching and humane and violent and gory and innocent somehow it feels you feel so deeply for martin that you almost question what you think sometimes and that to me is an incredible incredible film the the film had been put so highly on a pedestal um, by so many different people that i didn't i did not want to go in with any sort of preconceived notion but with rating so highly on people's uh, Romero lists, even higher than Dawn of the Dead, which is, to me, the tops, I was I was afraid, I suppose, that it wouldn't live up to it, but it, it did. It, it sure did. I, I'm not going to call it my favorite Romero film. Not yet. i got to see it a couple more times. But it is absolutely worth a chance. All right, let's go back to number nine. And this is back to our friend Mr. Mario Baba. It is Kill Baby Kill. Dr. Esway, the facts you're looking for can only be found at Villa Grounds. sure the inspector's here. Get out of my sight or you'll be sorry. It's like running headlong into a wall of silence. They are suspicious, distrustful, and the way they react to my questions. Did you disobey my orders? I'm scared, Inspector. I have a certain feeling that they'll murder us. After a three-year hiatus, director Mario Baba returned to his preferred stomping grounds of horror, conjuring up a spine-tingling tale of gothic terror whose influence would resonate within the genre for years to come. In the early 20th century, pathologist Dr. Paul is summoned to a remote Carpathian village to perform an autopsy on a woman who died under mysterious circumstances. With the locals convinced that they are being haunted by the spirit of a young girl who died years ago, 
Can this steadfastly rational doctor find a logical explanation to the strange goings-on? Or will his rational beliefs be destroyed by the dark secret that lies within the crumbling walls of the ancient Villa Grops? Co-starring the unforgettable Erica Blanc, Kill Baby Kill arrived at the tail end of the golden age of Italian horror and is regarded by many as Baba's masterpiece. There are people out there that are much smarter than I am, and they'll be able to answer you very quickly what the first uh, child-centric horror film is. I'm not that person. This film was very, very creepy. In some areas, very cheesy and over the top. But it, it keeps you on your toes throughout it. Uh, there's a video essay by Kat Ellinger who talks about, uh, it's called Mario, uh, The Devil's Daughter, Mario Baba and the Gothic Child. And it details the uh, youthful ghost, I'll call it. That's a terrible thing to call it, but that's what we're going to do. Uh, and she talks about uh, Kill Baby Kill and stuff like, uh, in films like uh, Changeling and, and other just, just terrific pictures. This one is is definitely a, a must-see, I will say, out of this set. Well, I don't even know what else to say. Uh, just uh, Chef's Kiss, top top notch. The The tenth film... Uh, continuing our trip through Bava is called Five Dolls for an August Moon. My name is Trudy Farrell. My husband was killed today by one of these people. Each of us is watching the others. And if the murderer is among us, and if he makes a wrong move... He hasn't yet. We will finally be able to identify him. And die. Weekend retreat on a private island should be a recipe for rest and relaxation, unless you're appearing in a giallo by the master of the macabre Mario Baba. Wealthy industrialist George Stark has gathered a group of friends, played by a who's who of Italian genre cinema, including William Berger, Ira von Furstenberg, Edwidge Fen Fenich, and Howard Ross, to his weekend to his island retreat. 
He hopes to entice them into investing in a new project, but soon the sunbathing and cocktail parties give way to murder, and the corpses begin to pile up one by one. Paying homage to Agatha Christie's Ten Little Indians, Five Dolls for an August Moon turns the style up to ten. Surrounded by beautiful women, stunning locations, and flamboyant fashions, and, and abetted by an equally exotic score, Baba creates one of his most eye-catching movies, a visual tour de force. I don't know why I not, did not expect any uh, Edward Finch, Finch in this I could be saying your name wrong, and I apologize. Especially to you, Sarah, if you're listening, I apologize. It, she it bewitches me when I even think of her face so much that I fail to remember pronunciations and to breathe. Um, I don't know why I did not expect to see her in a Baba film. She is one of the most beautiful people that I recall seeing. Uh, but that's off, pop, that's off topic. The film is actually very interesting. Uh, when you when you go into something like this, you might uh, assume, at least I did, that it might not. Uh, when you have so many, like a supergroup, a rock and roll supergroup, you want to expect all these different things, and what you get is something magical that you might not be happy with. But that's certainly not the fault of the of the uh, the, the creators. It was a very interesting, and it 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 will catch you off guard if you're well. Uh, it caught me off guard. Let's just say that. Uh, and that is uh, Five Dolls for an August Moon. I would like to uh, take a, a quick moment to apologize. I don't know if you can hear the fireworks behind me. It could be because of Mrs. Finnich. I don't know. But somebody's fi firing off fireworks. You might not be able to hear them. And I just sound like a, like a wacky guy. Uh, which I am, but that's not the point here. The 11th film in our, our first half is Stuart Gordon's film, Castle Freak. Stuart Gordon, the director of Fortress, The Pit and the Pendulum, and Reanimator, takes you into the dungeons of Castle Dorsino. Now, an American family. Welcome to Castle Riley, lady. Will inherit a legacy of evil. They say the castle is haunted. And a master of modern horror. will unleash his most terrifying creation. Stuart Gordon's Castle Free. There's somebody else here! There, there's somebody in the castle! We want you to search the castle. Giorgio Dorsino. He was never buried. She kept him alive. He's here somewhere in the castle. There is a madman in there, but my family is in danger. Reanimators Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton in Stuart Gordon's Castle Freak. Hideous, hungry, and loose. Stuart Gordon takes you on a pulse-pounding roller coaster ride in Castle Freak, one of the most macabre thrillers you'll ever experience. John Riley, played by Jeffrey Combs, Susan, played by Barbara Crampton, and their daughter, who is not named in this, come face to face with terror when they travel to Italy to move into a castle that they have inherited. They soon discover it is haunted by a relentless, bloodthirsty creature. When mutilated bodies start turning up, John must uncover the Riley family's dark secret to save his wife and child from a statistic being. 
That's not the best copy. He must save his wife and child, but also himself, because everybody assumes that he is the killer. Um, I, it's been 20 years since I've watched this film. I found a DVD a while back and it looked awful. And so I couldn't even get past the opening scene. And then I happened across, hey, while I was at Cinema Wasteland, I happened across the Full Moon booth and I picked up the Castle Freak Blu-ray. It looks incredible as well as this uh, this enormous Puppet Master box set, which I have yet to dig into uh, because uh, of uh, Mr. Baba. However, Castle Freak is a Stuart Gordon film. Castle Freak is a Stuart Gordon film. I am a big fan of his. Uh, and Jeffrey Combs and Barbara Crampton. And Stuart Gordon, a great film make. Barbara Crampton is one of my first crushes from the first time I saw Reanimator as a wee lad many, 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 many moons ago. I've forgotten that they were in Castle Freak, to be fully honest with you. That's how long it's been since I had seen this. But I enjoy this film. I would want anybody to enjoy it themselves. There is another Castle Freak film. I don't believe it's a remake, but I don't know if it's a sequel. I have no idea. Uh, it's in the can, and it's in post now. So we'll see where that goes. I'm very, very excited to see what comes out of that. But that was our film, Castle Freak. The number 10 film was uh, from a recent uh, Agfa release, so I'll talk more deeply about it later. Uh, but this is from the complete Sarah Jacobson release, and it is uh, I Was a Teenage Serial Killer. That's great, Ann! Don't you say thank you with somebody pays you a compliment? because he was going to dub the video with the soundtrack from Eraserhead. Can we have our money back? Just fuck this. And I enjoyed it very, very much. And uh, I will most likely want to talk about it more in depth later. But I will say, uh, but as I say in almost every other episode, these actual releases, they're, they're worth the time and effort. Uh, so pick those up. And I can tell you that an episode... Uh, a, a film in the second half of the month is also going to be uh, from ACFA. So uh, I'm a broken record. What can I say? Next up, filling in a film that I had missed all my life. I knew about it. It was on lists and I never got around to it. But then a screenshot goes around of various films that are about to become out of print. And I snatched it up immediately when I saw it on that list. And I, on one hand, regret not seeing it before. On the other, I'm glad that I've seen it now. And that was 1979's The Amityville Horror. It's the kind of house they don't build anymore. A relic of a time when the world wasn't in such a hurry. When there was still time for a little charm and elegance. It has stood empty for a long while. And at the price, it is a bargain. For a growing young family, it is almost too good to be true. What do you think? I love it. James Brolin, Margot Kidder, Rod Steiger, in the Amityville Horror. God's peace in this house. Something very important. Mommy, I want to go home. 
going up. We have to do something. I'm coming apart! Oh, mother of God, I'm coming apart! Twenty-eight days after the Lutz family moved into their dream house, they were running for their lives. What happened to them is an experience in terror you will never forget. And you will believe in the Amityville horror. From the best-selling book that made millions believe in the unbelievable, the Amityville horror. Chiller about a family who are terrorized by supernatural forces when they move into a new house in New York State, which was the scene of a recent mass killing and the home of the 18th century Satanist, when the swarms of flies appear from nowhere and the pipes and the walls begin to ooze slime and blood, they call on a local priest to exorcise the evil spirits. Scream Factory had, unfortunately, had is... Uh, as of the 9th of uh, October, is no longer in print. They had a box set called the Amityville Horror Trilogy. Um, I've only watched the first one so far, but I also have on order uh, from our friends at Vinegar Syndrome. They released, uh, I think it's four, five, six, seven, and eight, a uh, big box set of the uh, remaining Amityville uh, films. Um, but I watched the first one, and I gotta say, it was very, very good. Uh, other people, I don't know. I honestly never felt the pulse of the other people uh, in, in the community when it comes to this one. Uh, but it was James Brolin, Margot Kill, uh, Margo Kidder, Rob Steiger, uh, Murray Hamilton. It's a very, very good movie. And a, don't be like me. Watch this one sooner. It's absolutely worth the time especially if you're a, a fan of the haunted house uh, genre. It's very... <laughs> if you can get your hands on this set, it could be... This could be a case of Frame Factory re-releasing the set with the new scans, and I'll feel like a sucker because I got the old one. I don't know that, uh, but I'm glad that I did. If you have a chance in the aftermarket, pick it up. Hopefully you already have it, uh, but that was the Amityville Horror. The follow-up to that is one that I had on uh, my list for a while uh, my friend Anya is a huge fan uh, and I don't know it, nothing stopped me uh, except uh, time I suppose and that was Halloween The Curse of Michael Myers Every legend is based on fact Every myth is grounded in truth For 17 years, the town of Haddonfield, Illinois, has been haunted by a night when evil roamed the streets and a madman ruled the night. Everyone knows his name. Now, everyone will know the truth. I knew what he was, but I never knew why. Halloween Sits, the origin of Michael Myers. This would be the producer's cut. I believe it's Halloween 6. Don't remember how many times I saw the original. Not that many. I don't remember being disappointed at it. Uh, I, uh, again, I'm a cheap date. I, I felt like they could have easily followed this storyline, this whole idea of the, the Cult of the Thorn. Uh, and really made some great movies out of it. And it's unfortunate that they did not. But that is neither here nor there. Uh, it's You can get the, the producer's cut was a long thought unavailable. And it was just it was just traded as bootlegs throughout the community. And people always wanted it but never had it. And then all of a sudden, uh, a few years back, 
they released a Blu-ray of it, and it's really, really pretty good. Very in- enjoyable. The performances are okay at, at best. It's neat to see Paul Rudd before anybody knew who he was, and it's also interesting to see Paul Rudd has who Paul Rudd has become today uh, after revisiting this uh, slightly unfair to categorize performance because he was a young fella at the time and didn't necessarily have the level of experience that he has now. That would be the curse of Michael Myers. And the producer's cut is worth number uh, 15. Right in the halfway point is Abby. This was Abby. This was Abby. <laughs> A woman loved and in love. Until that night. When something evil came looking for a soul to possess. I can't stop thinking about your husband. (laughs) That creep. Forget him. Was this Abby? Well, the fun starts. Grab her. Hold her. Hear me, demon. Leave this woman's body! Abby, rated R. A possession film about a marriage counselor who becomes possessed by the demon of sexuality when her father-in-law, an exorcist, freed it while in Africa. He returns home along with his son and a policeman to perform an African exorcism on her. This is a tragically underavailable film. It, uh, my understanding is, it was on DVD for about nine minutes. Um, got the the pull, the plug got pulled right away because Warner Brothers. There's a. A rights issue is how this all comes out. But the uh, Warner Brothers had the rights. Somehow they won a court injunction because they said it was a ripoff of The Exorcist. And in at the, story-wise, it kind of is. Uh, it, it, the worst way of saying it is that, that it is a black exploitation exorcist, similar to like a Blackula or a Blackenstein. Um, and I suppose they thought it would hurt its bottom line. I don't know. The DVD that I have um, kind of is not great looking. I would hope that someday, uh, it is my understanding that a negative does exist. And I would hope that someday, Warner Brothers, if you're listening uh, through our friends at the Warner Archive, uh, let this out. Let people that, that love the film and love the, the genres do the work for you. They will. Um, and I think that we can get this back out there. It does not need to be locked away. It deserves to see the light of day. And I hope someday that it will. I don't like to offer this as an option, but it's available on YouTube. It was the same scan as the DVD. So it looks kind of gross, but it looks kind of gross uh, in quality. But that does not diminish the return that you get from the experience of watching it. So I absolutely recommend you find a way to watch Abby. And if you are listening, Warner, Warner Brothers, Warner Archive, anybody that has uh, the key, let it out. Let it be free. So that wraps up our first half of the 31 days of Halloween. Sorry, we're a little bit late. It's not the 15th. It's not the 16th. But could be next year by the time you actually listen to this. I don't know. Uh, the next one will also be late, but that's okay. I don't mind. I hope you don't mind either. And so uh, tune in then. I appreciate Uh, each and every one of you that might be listening. And uh, I I just am so grateful that anybody, whenever I open up the SoundCloud app and see that people listen, anybody, it doesn't matter how many, it's just, it's just so refreshing. And it reminds me that as a community, we are all here for each other and we all want each other to succeed. And we are, we prop each other up so that there is a level of, of love felt in the community. And we don't, we try not to. I try very hard not to, to tear people down, but we just lift each other up and it really lifts the soul as well. So thank you for listening to this. I look forward to finishing out this, this most wonderful time of the year 
and uh, I'll be back to chat with you then. Thank you very much. Again, this is Jason and the Film Ruminations podcast.